Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 14 on the Prismatic Academy podcast. I'm Chrissy Marie, and in this episode, I have the joy and pleasure of chatting with actress, comedian, and fellow podcaster Christine Little. Christine is the host and producer of her show called A Little Advice, where she sits down with comic colleagues to chat about true life stories and the breakdown of the creative process. And you can find links to both her website and her show in the description box, as well as on the Prismatic Life website at theprismaticlife.com. In the show, we talk about Christine's decision to move from Indiana to LA to pursue acting and comedy, about how external influences affect the choices we make, and of course, we get a little honest and raw and vulnerable when it comes to dating, relationships, and holding an active membership in the single AF club. It was so much fun. We talk about the best and worst advice we consider when it comes to partnerships, as well as what men definitely shouldn't do when it comes to dating apps. I loved our Friday morning conversation and hope you will too. So with that, here's episode 14, Courage, Creativity, and Comedy with Christine Little. Let's get into some warm-up questions. Um, I wrote a couple down um, just to kind of like get us into the flow of things. Um, and, you know, you saw me. I'm sitting here on my bed talking to you. And I have some books in front of me. And I was kind of wondering what you're reading right now. Ooh, what am I reading right now? Okay. Mm-hmm. I am reading uh, Loving What Is by Byron Katie. Ooh. And I just finished a book called The Healing Codes. Nice. And let me see what else is in my queue. Oh, I won't. I won't share everything I'm reading because <laughs> some of it's personal. But yeah, I think that's it. And I've got some books on hold in the library. But yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Loving what is? I've heard of that one. Do you have any key takeaways so far? Um, I'm still working through it, <laughs> but basically, stages. You, um ask anytime you're upset about a situation or having some type of feelings about it you ask yourself uh four questions Mm. and it's like is it true and then if it if you say yeah you say can you know that it's absolutely true and then um what are the other questions and then you you would you turn it around um so if I said, oh, this person should listen to me, then it would be, I should listen to me, and then I should listen to them, and, um, oh, God, I can't remember now. <laughs> I need to reread it. But it's it's pretty, it's just to, like, get you thinking in a different way. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's disrupting that pattern of, um, you know, the immediate emotional response and being reactive. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, I I hope it works. <laughs> I think you have to keep practicing it. She's got a, a website too where she's got some worksheets mm-hmm. that you work on and you just get really like petty about everything. And oh my you, gosh, I love it so yeah. much. <laughs> just like putting into practice, but also a person like me, I love worksheets and like oh, uh, I know. being so analog about everything. Yeah, if a book's got worksheets with it, I mean, that's You're pretty sold. cool. <laughs> I'm on board. Um, well, do you have, I don't know, 
very, very few people, like even my closest friends, um, know this about me, but I'm a little obsessed with conspiracy theories. <laughs> Are you do? Do you have any favorite conspiracy theories? Oh, like the lizard people and the oh Colorado airport and all that? Ooh, yeah. Or like the Dallas. Was it the Dallas? What's Dallas? Is that what it is? What, the airport? Uh-huh. No, it's Colorado. Oh, is it Colorado? Oh, man. Yeah, it's the Denver airport. Oh, Denver. That's what it is. Yeah. Ooh, I love those ones. Yeah, sometimes I get into like a wormhole. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just go on YouTube and you see one of them. You're like, what is this? <laughs> and, then, and then there's all these other videos that come up with all these other like little captions it's mm-hmm. like what, what is this it's like lizard transforms on tv oh and you're like gosh. really uh, this guy turns into a lizard and, and it's not it, they're never <laughs> as like satisfying as you want them to be but they can get really scary so. yeah and then the next thing you know it's like 4 a.m oh oh yeah that, exactly i love that what i can your, what is your favorite conspiracy um, you know what? I really like um, the ones about the secret space program and also Hollow Earth, just like that we have, you know, beings um, oh, yeah. living on different planets or like on the moon or bases on Mars and stuff and that there's kind of like honeycomb Earth. Um, I don't I don't know if I totally believe that, but I love, love, love hearing people explain it. They're brilliant. You What's know, honeycomb just, Earth? I think it's the same as um, just in Hollow Earth, how, like, people live in caverns, you know, within the Earth. People or aliens? Ooh. Both, I think. I think I've heard that there's aliens. Mm. But I know that I worked in a hotel in uh, Bloomington here in Indiana mm-hmm. when I was in college, and the guy did say that they – like they did a lot of like limestone I, I don't know what to call it digging farming mm-hmm. whatever and uh there was like entire cities underneath underground Ooh. like a lot so I don't know I if it would it. be that weird if there were like yeah that I mean that's definitely the stuff that keeps me up till 4 a.m <laughs> you believe in aliens do I believe, you believe in aliens, in aliens. Mm. I want to say yes like, I don't have proof, but I feel like the universe is very, very, very big. Um, and I believe that there's a possibility that, you know, extraterrestrials exist. I want your proof. No, I'm just kidding. I, want I, proof I, too. I believe in aliens. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I mean, I, I, for the exact same reason. Mm. It's like, places, I, I mean, it's so, so massive to think that we're the only mm-hmm. living beings in it is uh, a little egotistical I agree that was exactly the word that was going through my mind yeah um plus I mean I think it's fun you know life is more colorful it's almost like Pascal's (laughs) equation not not quite but I mean if we're talking about extraterrestrials it's better to believe because it's fun I don't know yeah it's exciting yeah let's see do you have a piece of advice that has influenced how you make decisions? Oh, that's a great question. Um, do I have a piece of advice that has influenced how I make decisions? Or just something that has stuck with you, that like re- repeats in your head throughout your day? I do have issues making decisions. I'd love some <laughs> advice on how to do it. I mean, 
there's a there's something that I heard of that I don't particularly use. You can even like go online, I think, and do this thing where you mm-hmm. put in your options and then you uh, assign a weight. What? Like a risk assessment? Yeah, Ew. like the pros and cons of I each one. That. And then um, I think like you assign like a number to it and then you can make a decision based on that. And I think it might make it like a formula. I haven't done it in a really, really long time, mm-hmm. but that sounds really cool. I would definitely be all about that. Do and you... We're so emotional when we mm-hmm. make decisions. Mm-hmm. You know what? Actually, I do have a thing that I do, and you're gonna <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I um, I do eeny meeny miny mo, <laughs> or I flip a coin. I do it two out of three times. And I do this a lot. I can't believe I didn't think of this right away. Do you, like, leave it to the universe? (laughs) I do that because it helps you realize what you really want. Yeah. So you're basically taking yourself out of the equation almost. Yeah. And then Mm -hmm. also when I really just don't know, then I use it, especially if it's an excuse for something I kind of want to do. I'm like, all right, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, (laughs) and... If it says I can, I'm going to go to McDonald's and get a Sunday. <laughs> but if not, I'm going to go home. That's so, so funny. I love that. Yeah. And I would be all about that um, risk analysis equation. Uh, would you consider yourself to be a risk-averse person? Um, I would say so. But, I mean, when I look at my life, I'm like, am I? Actually, I would say I was a, a, a risk-adverse person. Yeah, I would find that really surprising because, you know, just with your story and moving from Indiana to L.A., which I, you know, hope you share with us, um, that's a huge move. Like, I've lived in San Diego my entire life, minus one year, and I can't imagine myself, you know, moving away. Where were you that one year? In Santa Barbara. So I went I went very, very far. <laughs> Well, it is kind of far. Yeah. You know, it was, like, far enough away to where I knew my parents wouldn't be visiting every weekend, but, like, still close enough to come home. So I still kind of felt, you know, like, connected to my community. It wasn't a big risk for me. But, like, moving across the country is something that I have a really hard time seeing myself doing. So how did that come about for you? Well, gosh, I wouldn't want to leave California. I Uh, I actually started off small, too. I Mm -hmm. I moved, like, an hour away to go to school, Mm -hmm. and then I would come home on some of the weekends and go grocery shopping in my parents' refrigerators. Um, (laughs) But I I don't know. It was weird. Like, I always wanted to move out to California. I don't know why. It was always just a dream or something that you knew that you were going to do. Yeah, and I'm like, I'm going to move out there. And I didn't have a specific reason. I think I just liked how it looked or something. I Mm -hmm. liked the vibe. I don't know. And then uh, back then, I didn't understand that California, what I was really thinking was Los Angeles. Mm -hmm. I thought the state of California would be good. (laughs) I hear that a lot, that everybody thinks, like, all of California is just sunshine and beaches. And like, eh, you know. No, Northern California is kind of cold and foggy, and I learned that. Yeah, and super different culture. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. So initially in high school, I had a friend who her dad lived in uh, Northern California in San Francisco, Mm -hmm. and she was set on moving to California after graduation, 
and I'm like, I want to move there too. But I just, I mean, my grades in, in high school were really not great. I mean, I didn't really get it into gear till later in high school. And I mean, it, that wasn't enough time to really, really bring up my GPA. So I barely got into the college I got into and, um, they accepted me on a condition, like on a probationary basis. And then I crushed it, got straight A's. And then I, um, transferred to another school, uh, Indiana university in Bloomington. And, um, and then I started studying psychology and I was thinking I was going to go to grad school and I was, trying to find programs for what I wanted to do in California and I couldn't really find anything. And then I had a, a major in psychology and I, I did a business minor because at the school I went to, the first school I went to IUPUI, which is Indiana university, Purdue university, mm-hmm. Indianapolis called ooey pooey. Thank <laughs> <laughs> cute. Anyway, cute. so um, they had this specific track that you could do called, um, It was IO psychology, industrial slash organizational. Mm -hmm. So we work with businesses to increase worker productivity and like making things like kind of more ergonomically designed and things like that for Mm -hmm. for productivity. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. And it it makes the most money. (laughs) So they didn't have that in in IU. So I was like, okay, I'll do a, a psych major and a business minor. So I did that. And so all my electives were business classes and then I had one left over like my senior year and I was like I'm gonna take an acting class (laughs) so I took the acting class and I loved it and then I was like I'm gonna go to California and do acting which was weird I I knew I was gonna move to California but I just didn't have like anything lined up and I told my mom about the acting thing and she like being a really awesome mom and like having anxiety she looked up uh, some schools and she found this one called uh, american academy of dramatic arts mm-hmm. they have one in new york and they have one in los angeles and if you audition at one you can get into the other so uh, i auditioned to the one in new york and i got into their summer program and then i moved to california and did the summer program and then the first year wow i love that so Taking one acting, you and I both have a similar story, by the way. I love, love, love IO Psych, and I definitely, like, my favorite classes were those off ones. Like, I'm so sad that I didn't take an acting class in college, but I did take a class on Antarctica, (laughs) and it was probably by far my most favorite thing that I did in college. Really? Yeah, it was so cool. Fascinating place. Um, There, There could be aliens in Antarctica. Oh my gosh, I, that's another one of my favorite conspiracies. <laughs> oh, we need to stop. Oh, I would so go off on a tangent with that. <laughs> really? Yeah, I think that sounds pretty interesting. But for acting, like what was it for you that made you fall in love with it? Like was it the class? Was it the teacher? What is? It? Was it the creative expression? Like what? what hit that love buzzer for you? I think it was all of it. I don't, yeah. you know what? I don't even, it was so long ago at this point. I don't even remember. I, I would probably have to say the creative expression. And also something someone said to me kind of offhand that I really took to heart. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my, my friend that moved out to San Francisco. She actually moved right after graduation. She still lives in Northern California too. Um, and like, 
the redwood forest or something. Mm, yeah. Um, but she, she, when I was telling her what I was doing, you know, with psychology and I was like, Oh, I was working in a lab and I was like, Oh, I'll probably work in a lab or whatever, go to grad school. And she's like, Oh, I just imagine you doing something more fun, like cooler or whatever. And I don't know why that really like got to me. Oh, aren't friends the best? Yeah, I mean, she wasn't saying it in, like, a condemning way or, like, a, it was just, like, it was kind of offhand. It was so, and I really respect this friend. I think she's really smart. She, I mean, she's doing marine biology and, uh, or she's, she studied marine biology. She's a teacher at, a, like, a private school or something now. But I, I I respect her opinion, and for her to say something like that, it's a matter of fact. It's not like she was, like, blowing smoke up my butt, you know? No, she could just see something, you know, that was more maybe more difficult for you to see in yourself. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so that really really got me thinking. And I I had this mentor in the lab that I worked in, Dale Singlaub. Mm -hmm. Uh, It was, like, a neuropsychology lab. And he was really smart, really respect this guy. And... Anytime he would label a motor neuron with like, uh, what, what, what's it? I don't know what it's called. Like dye. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, you could see it in the microscope. He would get so excited. He'd be like, "Fuck yeah! All right!" <laughs> like, and he just blatantly would talk to himself like really loudly. And I'm mm-hmm. like, "Should I respond?" But he was so passionate about what he was doing. He was so excited, and and I wanted to be like that about what I was doing. And I, I liked the work I was doing in the lab. And who knows what would have happened if I was working in a space where I was doing more of like a counseling role. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, I, I didn't see anything like that. The closest I got was like a cognitive psychology lab. And I didn't have a good experience in that at all. So, um, yeah. Well, so the neuroscience of- lab. Speaking of, like, who knows where you would have been if you were in a counseling role, I mean, you kind of are in a counseling role. You know, you're definitely communicating and helping people work through problems on your podcast, A Little Advice, right? Yeah. <laughs> that, want- that's a new podcast, and I, I get to, like, uh, I do I do uh, have, like, a certification in life coaching. I don't know if it's still good, but that was really that was really fun to study. And I, I love psychology still. I love reading self-help books. So it's like another passion of mine. So I'm glad I get to have an outlet for that as well. Yeah. And it's almost like you're bringing things full circle too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'll just do this with comedians and (laughs) see what happens. That's so so fun. Do you have any, um, kind of like interesting or experiences with your podcast like what's what's who's been your favorite guest so far and oh, what yeah I do have one like Ooh, my last me. one was mm-hmm. like one of my favorites and it was a comedian named Chris Jones he goes by Jonesy and he was telling me how he met his father for the first time when he was 30 his biological father mm-hmm. for the first time when he was 30 years old and what he was like and his his problem was like whether he should keep um wow that's so weird I just looked up and my mom has this whiteboard in mm-hmm. her uh in her office and when I said father I looked up and it had father written on it Ooh. that, was, that Ooh, happens all the time that was so crazy <laughs> anyway, so um whether he should keep a relationship with his dad or not mm. 
because his dad was a very interesting person. I would I would guess that his dad might be like a narcissist, but who am I? You know, I, I kind of like to call everyone a narcissist or a sociopath mm-hmm. these days, but um, <laughs> definitely got some issues. So that that was a that was my favorite. Ooh, cool. Did he have um, Did he share a little bit about his thought process behind making that decision? Yeah, he was having problems because. I mean, he, he didn't really have a strong desire growing up to have a relationship with his dad. He heard some not so great things about him and he actually found him through YouTube uh, because his mom had mentioned that he was in this band. And so he looked up the band and then uh, he had his girlfriend at the time call the dad and, you know, say that she was like a booker for a festival. So he called right back and then <laughs> and then he got on the phone and he was like, yeah, I'm your you know, this is your son or whatever. And he's like, uh, let me call you right back. And, then, <laughs> and he's like, Oh my God. But then he did call back like an hour later and he was super excited to hear from him and they met up and it was, that was an interesting story. They met at a gas station in uh, Massachusetts oh, and wow. went to a bank and like he took him on some errands cause the dad didn't have a car. And, uh, he's like an older guy. And, I think uh, he someone told him that you know he should keep in contact with him because he has this opportunity to bring joy into his life and things like that. But I told him that I didn't think that was his responsibility, mm-hmm. and the fact that he didn't have any uh, that he forgave him and didn't have any malicious uh, thoughts towards him, I think was was nice enough because. You know, he could have easily showed up and been like, F you, dad, for leaving and all this stuff. But he didn't do that. He was super, he was totally at peace with it. And he made up, he brought up a good point that there's other people in his life that he needs to call. He's like, I need to call my grandma. I don't talk to my grandma enough. And these people, these are people that are in my life. And also, a big thing I didn't mention is that, you know, when he did meet with his dad, his dad didn't ask him any questions about his life hmm. or anything like that. He just talked about his music the entire time because yeah. he's still trying to make it as a musician. So Interesting. Uh, Isn't that crazy how, how we have, like, our external influences and how they affect us? So, like, on the one hand with you and your friend, you know, who is giving you advice or, you know, making a comment about how she thought that you would do be doing something different or more interesting. And then you have Jonesy, whose friends are like, oh, you should definitely keep your father in your life. But then you have somebody else going like, mm, let's reel that back <laughs> and actually think about this. Yeah, he just seemed like he was in such angst about it. Mm-hmm. And um, it was, I don't know. I It was just one friend that told him that, but. I I don't know. I told him because he has two brothers too, like half Mm -hmm. brothers that he doesn't know. I'm like, why don't you, you know, build a relationship with them? Because they're friends on, he's friends with one of them on Facebook. He's like, oh, I never thought of that. What? Oh, man. That's so interesting. Okay. So the the guy even shares his posts. And so the day after, or even later that day, I don't remember, we had a show together, Jonesy and I. And so he something came up and he, I was like, Oh, well, why don't you tell your brother about that? And so he's like, what do I do? So I don't know. He reached out to his brother while we were on Facebook, while we were sitting there. So I don't know what's happened with that sense, but I'd like to give it some time and, and give an update about how oh, it's going yeah. with that. Christine little future relationship counselor. 
Well, I mean, so as an actress and comedian, like you're constantly putting yourself out there. You're constantly, you know, showing your face and showing your work. And um, like, do you consider a lot of your success to be dependent on other people on going back to that external feedback? And if so, like, how do you handle that? Like, how do you weigh what opinions matter and what opinions don't? Hmm. Well, I think that is something that I would probably, that I I probably struggle with like the entire time I've been doing this Mm. Um, because there's certain things, certain opportunities that you want and you don't necessarily, like you can submit yourself for them, but you don't really have control over whether or not you get them. And so one um, story I've adopted is that I don't have any control over whether I make it or not, and I'm not going to miss my opportunity. So that helps. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I mean, obviously you want the the audience to laugh. So those opinions matter and you want to get booked. So I think as, as long as you have like, you're doing your job, um, you know, not everyone's going to love you. Um, but if they recognize that you're funny and you're professional, I think that's the, those types of opinions matter most, but you could be funny and professional and someone still is like, they're not your person. They're not your people, but there are people that are on board with what you're doing. So those are the opinions that I try to hone in on more, Mm -hmm. but it's not always easy because our brains are wired to like pick up on negative more than the positive. Um, so I don't know to answer your question about whose opinions matter most. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm like, that's okay. I I just have to tell myself the story that I'm not going to miss my opportunities and try to just keep doing what I'm doing. I love that. And it's okay not to know. Like I, I, I say, I don't know all day long. Um, like a lot, as long as you're not like doing anything that's mean or hurtful to someone else. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just, my mom tells me I need to dress better, which <laughs> I do believe. Um, but also I can't like listen wholeheartedly to everything my mom says because I don't Mm -hmm. know that she's my target demographic Mm -hmm. you know so So basically everything is up for consideration and then it's up to you to decide whether you're going to follow that advice or not or follow that opinion or when if I do decide to follow it because there's so much to do yeah totally so I admire you so much for being a comedian like i I'm not sure if I could even see myself doing that. And I think I'm pretty good at putting myself out there and trying new things or taking on a challenge. But what what compelled you to do that, to get up on a stage and, you know, showcase your work and, you know, hope that people laugh and accept it? Um, well, I did the performing arts school and we had the first semester – was like drama and the second semester was comedy and I always knew I wanted to do something with comedy really enjoyed that doing the comedy semester and part of what we had to do is like write do like a little stand-up routine and so that was like Mm -hmm. technically my first time doing it 
I think mine went well. It was interesting. And I kind of had that thing where I'm like, I'm going to do stand up at some point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it was something you pushed off and it wasn't urgent. Then I got this um, agent in quotation marks who didn't submit me for anything, but would lecture at me for a long time and seem angry. It was, I don't know oh, if that fun. was, I gravitated towards that because of my dad or what, but it was weird. Uh, anyway, but he, I told him I wanted to do comedy and that I was doing improv and sketch. And he's like, well, no one makes money doing it that you, if you want to do comedy, you need to do stand up." And he was like, so opinionated about it. So that kind of gave me a little push to, to do that more. And so I took a, a, a workshop and, um, part of that was like show you do a show at the end of the workshop and show was packed and it was so fun that I just became addicted. I had a really great set and I, I was just hooked after that. That's so great. Yeah. What were you feeling like before your first, first set or your first gig? Very nervous. <laughs> <laughs> Did you do anything to kind of like help calm you or do you, do you have like, um, um... I went over my set a lot. I probably took a big poop. <laughs> I, I, you know, that happens. And then, uh, my friend was also in the workshop. So we were like trying to hype each other up and like be as playful as we could before mm-hmm. we went on stage. But it, I mean, it was, it was nerve wracking. And then you get up there and you just kind of don't remember, you know, what happened because mm-hmm. your adrenaline's so high. But you, I, yeah, but I guess if you know it, if you know what your jokes are, you can get through it. So <laughs> you kind of just kind of go to autopilot a little bit. Oh, that's so fun. Um, so... It's cliche, right? But they say in comedy, timing is everything. So, and I feel like when I tell a joke, I always, like, rush to the punchline. I'm like, this is so funny. I want you to laugh. How do you, like, is it, like, a practice in self-control with you to kind of, like, wait and let people linger, you know, before you actually deliver, you know, the reward of, you know, the gift of comedy? The gift of comedy. <laughs> Here's my gift. <laughs> I um, I guess so. It's not something I uh, consciously think about, though. Uh, maybe I should. I probably should slow down a little bit. But um, yeah, I think there. You you kind of feel it out and see if they've digested what you said enough, mm-hmm. so that the punchline makes sense. It's a lot of it is misdirect. You know, you're mm-hmm. making them think you're gonna you mean this or you're talking about that and then you flip it on them. Yeah. And so, there has so you got so much psychology the, first, the yeah. misdirect. Totally. When people find out that you're a comedian, do you find that people try to be more funny around you? Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I'm so I curious about this. the worst. <laughs> I'm on dating apps. I don't really like to tell them that I'm a comedian. I mean, it's not that hard to figure out because mm-hmm. I just hate getting the same questions over and over and over again. And then it's like I become that instead of like a person and present. And mm-hmm. I understand the inclination to ask questions about it 100%. But for some reason, it just annoys me answering the same questions, especially oh. if they're hard questions. What, like, are, what are some of the questions so that those men know not to ask them? <laughs> like, 
oh, you do stand-up? Who's your favorite stand-up comedian? No. What stand-up about? Oh, how long have you been doing it? What, just, I mean, there's such basic questions. I don't know why it annoys me so much, but it's like when you're in college and people are like, where are you from? What's your major? <laughs> like, you know, the same questions over and over again. Totally. Um, I love your guy texting me voice, by the way. <laughs> How was your weekend? What are you doing this weekend? How's your week going? How's your Saturday going? What are you doing this Saturday? Any fun plans this weekend? How's it going? You're bringing back dating app nightmares for me. Are you in it's a relationship? So I am not. I'm recently single. Oh, you hear that, fellas? Ugh. So are you? So you're not on dating apps, though. So I am on dating apps, but I hate them. So you don't use. So you don't have that conversation over and over again. Um, I usually don't respond if that's what I get. You know, um, it was like, Aww. hey, how's your? And I get it. I get that sometimes people are just looking for like a quick hello or conversation starter, but I try to make it really, really easy for men with with having a conversation with me. Um, so like right in my profile, I ask two questions, you know, at the bottom. So one, it tells me that they read my profile and two, like, I'm like, here, I throw, I threw you a bone. Like, tell me something about this, you know? So when they when they respond with like, oh, how was your weekend? I was like, I don't know you. Like, I'm not going to share <laughs> you know, my weekend That's plans a with you. Personal question: How my weekend was? Yeah, like uh, none of your business. <laughs> so, what are your questions? I might use them. Mm-hmm. So, I think my questions were actually questions that I asked you, which but a little different. So, one of them is, um, what's a piece of advice that you're glad that you never took, um, that you didn't follow. And the other one is, um, like, who's the most influential person in your life? You know, like, who, who do you draw inspiration from or who do you gain your values from? Um, and I think it's simple. Like, those are simple things, you know, to answer. Be like, oh, it's my mom because she loves me no matter what, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I definitely, I try to make it easy on men. Um, but for some reason, they don't like easy. <laughs> oh. I just want to get to the date. Like, I just want to meet this person and, like, see what's happening. You know, like, like are we going to vibe? I think I'm kind of boring over messaging, especially because I'm so, like, impatient. Hmm. So I, I put, like, the, the dates I want to go on. I'm like, I will never turn down sushi or froyo. Those are so mm-hmm. – so just – taking just let's go on a date you know like let's just meet do you find that you're the one initiating dates first no no you like let them do it yeah because you already set it up right you're like I already set the hook just like (laughs) yeah because it's like it shows me that they're interested it says something about their personality like they go after what they want Mm. and they're sort of and and they're interested I think that they'll Mm-hmm. take it more seriously if they plan the date and they ask mm-hmm. for it versus if I do it. You know what else I really like to do um, with dating apps is two truths and a lie. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'll list, like, a couple of things that, you know, people don't necessarily know about me, and then, you know, it turns into, like, this little game. That's a good idea. I see that as a prompt on one of the dating apps, but I'm like, I can't think of anything. Aww. So I don't do it. But I love reading it when guys have it. I yeah. think those are kind of interesting. 
Do you, can you think of like one of the most interesting ones that you've read? I think for for me, one of the guys was like, I have eleven toes, and I remember just being like interested but weird, like weirded out, and be like, I'm gonna be so upset if you don't have eleven toes. Let's <laughs> see if I can find one right now. Not every guy has them, so. Well, what's been like the best date that you've ever been on? One that led to a relationship, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> um, what is the best? That's a great question. Like, has I guess, I mean, the you? only one I can think of right now for recent um, was the one with my last boyfriend where we went to um, a movie and then we got drinks after. And then we stayed in the parking garage talking and hanging out for several hours. Mm. So that was that was a good date. I did go ice skating with a guy. That was fun. Yeah. It was like an impromptu thing after sushi, and that was cool. Um, but I think it's about, like, the person and how comfortable I feel. Mm. Well, is there – throughout your dating experience, have you, like, developed – like specific rules or boundaries or things that you definitely won't do again? Yeah. Or do you consider yourself to still be like very open to like treating well, each person as I, new? I think if a guy, I mean, I'll never date, I won't date a smoker, mm-hmm. a cigarette smoker, and I won't, um, or an addict. <laughs> if they're in recovery, I'll consider it if they're like really, really into recovery. Um, so that, that that's something. And just, like, listening to my gut a little bit more. Um, I don't want to sleep with anyone too fast. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I'm still learning and just learning to trust, like, hey, if this doesn't feel good, it's okay to set that boundary and say, I, I'm not going to – I can't go along with this mm-hmm. or I can't continue this but that's a problem I have too I feel like I am so quick to pull the plug on things so I'm still figuring it out you know I'm single AF so (laughs) I don't know we're in that club together no and I love that so I feel like I actually had a guy from Bumble last night because I'm in Indiana and so Mm -hmm. it updates like where you are Mm -hmm. come to my show that's cool no. Yeah. Well, well I didn't. Also, cre- I mean, was it creepy or was it cool? <laughs> it was. I mean, he seemed really nice. I will say that he came and he was by himself, <laughs> and I saw him in the audience, and I wondered about it, but I didn't talk to him. But the the headliner did, mm-hmm. and then he came up and talked to me after the show, and he got like he gave me some donations for my my little jar that I have like little stickers and buttons that people can get for donations, okay. and he was really nice. And then he tweeted at me today. So, I mean, I wouldn't recommend every guy do that. But he seems cool. What, drop money in your donation jar? Yeah, give me money. <laughs> but, like, to a show, I was like, oh, my God. But he wasn't, he wasn't like, creepy or pushy or anything. Well, there you go. You put in the energy and the effort and supported you monetarily and with social currency. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. social currency. I like that. All right. Cool guy. What are you doing over there? 
me. Oh my gosh. I'm like making sure that my dog has this pillow fort so that he leaves me alone. I build like little forts out of pillows for him to go in. (laughs) I love forts. I do too. Oh my gosh. Do you, do you still make forts? I haven't made a fort in a really long time. I remember my my high school boyfriend and I, we made a fort (laughs) in the basement once, and that was so fun. Okay, well, I feel embarrassed because I made one, like, last week. (laughs) Were you by yourself? Yes. So I have this, like – I want to do that now. Yeah, I have this bed with really high pillars on the headboard, so it's perfect for making, like, this little fort. And we finally got rain. Um. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we finally got rain here in California, so it was, like, my rainy day thing where I grabbed a book and made, like, a little fort and also a bottle of champagne because it was a book about relationships, and sometimes I need that little extra help to understand. <laughs> I am so doing that. <laughs> yeah, Because oh, I'm always looking for, like, a cool mm-hmm. little – like, I always wanted, like, a little reading nook. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's my little form of, like, adult play to, you know, not be so serious about things that I take too seriously, you know? So I think that if, like, relationships are – it's a really heavy subject for me, but something that I'm super curious and interested about, like, you know, I love me too. hearing about other people's stories and experiences and insights and, you know, what worked for them and what didn't um, – but I can get really, really into that to where I don't want that to become, like, my relationship Bible. You know, I want – I get almost like you to, like, take in external feedback, consider it, and then figure out what's right for me. So I need, like, a playful environment that, that matches me to be able to do that. I think that's so good that you said that. Like, I – every book I read, I'm like, this is it. This is all my problems. And then when I quit reading it, I don't remember – Mm-hmm. What it was. But I, I, I have this um, thing that it's like while I'm reading something or hearing something new, I want to take it as true just to experiment, mm-hmm. I guess, to see what it's like. But I, I like it and like not taking it too seriously. Can I ask what book it is? I, I wonder if I've read it. Yeah. Uh, the one that I had recently was How to Be an Adult in Love. <laughs> oh, yeah. My old one. roommate had one. That, it was like how to be an adult in a in relationships mm-hmm. in a relationship. I yeah. didn't read it. I'm like, I'm good. I'll be a child. <laughs> I'm not ready for the adult yet. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, uh, in these relationship books, is there a piece of advice that you're like, uh, I definitely don't resonate with that and will not try or practice? Hmm. I'll give you one of mine. One of of them was um, after a breakup, don't talk to the person for 30 days. And I'm like, what? Oh, that's so hard. And like, shouldn't breakups be kind? And, you know, just because you're broken up doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship with somebody that you loved. Um, So I have a really, really hard time understanding the purpose behind behind that one but I think it's just because you know I I get very Disney about a lot of things also to where <laughs> I have a hard time understanding that you know it's sometimes that separation that space that detaching from each other's energies helps you give get like a clearer picture of what's really going on with you and the other person 
Yeah, I, I, I agree with that in that book. That's actually something I've heard is like, you get like, you can get like addicted to them or like, yeah, but with got a detox, mm-hmm. but withdrawal of love is like my biggest pain point, I think. So to me, that's what it translates to is like withdrawal of love. You know, my brain is literally telling me they don't love you. The most addictive thing. Mm -hmm. Another person is the most addictive thing in the world. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that 100% makes sense. It's such, it's so painful. I think that's what I, I think if I'm really honest, that's probably why I'm not in a relationship I just um it's just like the thought of going through that much pain no one wants to do that and I think subconsciously it's just you know I I, the the healing code book that I am reading or I read it said that like between your mind and your heart the heart being like subconscious Mm -hmm. like your heart is always going to win out like even if you have like in your mind like me consciously I'm like I want to be in a relationship but I think subconsciously there's like a a big fear or like, you know, my subconscious is trying to protect me. So I'm not going to be in a relationship, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. and it takes working on it on that level to think, make anything stick. Yeah. And when, when I'm curious to know this, like what it is for you, like when does your subconscious, Where's the boundary between, like, protecting yourself and limiting yourself? I don't know. (laughs) Honestly, I'm so good at, like, finding evidence for whatever I want to believe. So that's really tough. And I don't know, so I – and I think that presents another problem because I go outside of myself to friends and, and, you know, present the case. And um, it's – it's so hard because mm-hmm. you don't have the same boundaries as other people and, and vice versa. So you, you only know your situation and how it makes you feel. I think, I, I don't know, but I think there is something to, to like going outside yourself and being like, I'm feeling like this, is this valid? And having someone be like, yeah, your feelings are valid. I'm like, Oh, okay. Just making sure because your feelings are always valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. In terms of, you know, being a part of this single AF club, (laughs) is there, what do you really, really like about being single? I like having my bed to myself. I like, I like the freedom. I like being able to like watch TV and just eat whatever I want, like an animal, just be comfy, not having to think too much about what I'm going to eat. You know, because mm-hmm. eating is a big thing in relationships. What are we going to eat? Mm, yeah, totally. What do you feel like eating and, and things like that? I love the bed thing. Ugh. Like, the I what? love my bed so much. Like, we're even doing this podcast from my bed. But, like, in the mornings, I literally wake up like a starfish. So I have no <laughs> idea where another person fits into that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I I am definitely in the middle of my bed these days. <laughs> And I've got so many pillows, and I like it. It's like yeah. my little space that I've created. And I notice that I get a little particular, mm. like, in my bathroom. Like, don't get water on the mirror. And if you do, wipe it up. 
Or don't leave your towel everywhere. Um, (laughs) Clean up, you know, and do it in this specific way that I like. (laughs) So I think I, especially the older I get, the more ingrained these habits become. And like, I just notice when things are off in my place. So I guess I like the part about being single I like is having things the way I want them. So funny. I knew that I was really, really going to like talking to you because I'm like, oh, I'm so glad I'm not the only person that feels that way about their own personal space. Yeah, your space is important. Like, it's always important to me to have like a comfy home. And mm-hmm. like, I am kind of a homebody. Mm-hmm. So I, I need like the space to be on point in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Do you do you feel like you've always been like pretty comfortable being single? I, um, no, I don't even think I'm, I mean, I'm okay with, I'm living my life and all that, but I think social pressure wise, I I feel uncomfortable Mm. and it's noticeable. Like all my friends here in Indiana, they're all married. Mm -hmm. Uh, Most of them have at least two kids or more. Uh, One of them doesn't have any kids yet, but it's on the books and, um, it just feels a little especially the older we get, it's like their experience of life is just different from mine. Mm. You know? Yeah. I'm definitely facing a similar situation where a lot of my friends are getting married and having babies. And it's like, with, with the newborns, when I get to hold them, my ovaries are literally crying. But with older kids, I'm like, Oh, that is the best form of birth control. (laughs) So do you, do you find yourself like really considering that and like looking at your environment with honest eyes and being like, okay, do I want this because my friends have this or do I want this because it really matters to me? Mm, I, I want, I love, like when I see a baby, I get, I flip. Yeah. I'm like, Oh my God, a baby. There's, Cow, they're so cute. But I don't I wanna I want it to be the case that I meet someone who I am so into and they're so into me that I wanna marry this person. Not I wanna get married and here's the person. I want it to be this mm-hmm. person, this is the one I want to marry, and this is the person I feel comfortable having having kids with. And I want the financial resources to be able to to do it in a way that's <laughs> not going to kill me. Like, I want to have a, a doula or a nanny or some sort of help. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess if I had all that right now, I would consider it. And, you know, like, it just feels like there's more I want to do. Before that that comes in, but then I've got this biological clock, so it's like procreate now, <laughs> throw your agenda out the window. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Be impulsive. No, I get that. Um, yeah, I I think uh, I've had a lot of friends who have made marriage like a milestone. You know, they've made yeah. it to be an agenda. Um, but yeah, I mean. I think I, I would feel the same way that, you know, I want somebody who loves and adores me as much as I love and adore them, you know, with great value. I do values. feel like I, I look at it as a milestone too, whether I, I want to admit it or not. And I, I hate that. It's like this achievement, you know, like, look, someone loved me enough 
to give me this and wants to be with me forever. Oh, yeah. Are you a list person? Yeah. You like checking things off the list? Uh, yeah, I, I love to-do lists. Like marriage, check. <laughs> yeah, house, check. marriage, check. Baby, check. And mm-hmm. then what? Mm-hmm. Career, check. Okay, now what? Who? Day, die. <laughs> I did it all. I did it. I did the life scavenger I did hunt. The thing. Oh, that's so great. And I, I understand that. So, okay, when it comes to these, um, just to, like, wrap, wrap up some final thoughts, like, what do you, what are some things that you do personally that help you, like, navigate through those feelings of, like, having a goal or desire but not being quite there yet? Like, what's your process? Um. I forgot to mention earlier that another book that I'm, I'm reading and working through is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of The Artist's Way, but it's another book Ooh. by the same lady called mm-hmm. Walking in the Way. And so there's all these exercises and it's like getting you into your creativity. So something I've discovered recently that I can do that's getting reawakened in me is like just be creative for the sake of being creative yes. and not looking to, to see how I can capitalize on it or make something more of it. Cause like how I think is like, Oh, I could do this and then it could be this and then it could be that. And then I could make content and then I could do this. And then instead just being like, Oh, what if I just color for the sake of coloring or I sew because I want to make this project or something like that. So taking that angsty energy and, and using it, redirecting it into something creative has been helpful. I love that. that. Yeah. Um, did that answer your question? Because I forgot what the question was. <laughs> but I, I, so I'm really happy that you brought that up because that's actually something we're both creators, you know, we're both creative people. And like, even with this podcast, it's like, there isn't really an agenda. It's just connection and stories and doing something for the sake of doing it and then putting it out there. So I, I think that's like a highly valuable process, but do you apply that to do you apply that to, I guess, that liminal space, right, between where you are and where your desire is? Like, what helps you keep moving towards that desire? Oh, I guess my point was, like, just being creative Mm, and, like, not trying to, I don't know, get to a certain point. Mm, It's not about the destination. I like to adopt this (laughs) mindset that, like, I'm going to do this no matter what you know, comedy, because I love doing it. Mm-hmm. So cherry on top would be being ultra successful at it. I do want to be successful. I, I don't know. I it, it is a struggle sometimes with like, oh, this is where I want to be. And this is where I am. And it, and it can be frustrating and hard. And I feel invisible sometimes. But just keep working and keep doing it. And <sighs> yeah, I love, you know, and that creative potential, it really is potential. It opens up so many doors and opportunities or like helps us see things in different ways to where, you know, the answer might have been in front of us, you know, um, in terms of getting to where we want to go, but we weren't able to see it until we got out of the way. So I think that the creative process is so valuable when it comes to things like that. Yeah, I love that. You may not be able to see it mm-hmm. until you get out of the way. 
Yeah. yeah. I think when we try to force things too much, it's like we're not allowing things to just flow. Totally. So much about – I think like so much success in life comes from you just getting out of your own way. How would you do that? Um, I like to – so similar to the book that, that you're reading that you mentioned in the beginning um, about that assessment process, so asking yourself if something is true. I feel like a lot of things, you know, a lot of my limitations come from my beliefs around whatever it is that I'm doing. So I try to take a step back. Like I try to become the observer, you know, my own little personal counselor, I guess, or therapist and, and asking those questions, you know, is this true? Can I look at this from a different way? And I think that when you just, when you stop making judgments about a situation or how you think it should be or what your expectations are around it and you start asking questions, you open up potential and possibility. So mm-hmm. that that's something that I like to practice, um, especially when I'm feeling stuck or frustrated. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I really like that. That's great, asking yeah. questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know what? Just the questions are so powerful. Because when we make a judgment, we kind of, like, fix energy in place, you know? So, like, if you have that belief, like, it's not safe for women to travel on their own, like, that's what it is for you. And you're going to have worry and anxiety about it. But if you ask the question, like, I don't know, is it safe for women to travel by themselves? It's a totally different kind of energy. If you just... I, so funny. I Googled <laughs> that. I was in Vegas and doing shows. Mm-hmm. or a show and I wanted to go out and my friend didn't want to go out but I got these new boots that I really wanted to wear out <laughs> so I googled is it safe for a woman to go out by herself in Vegas I love it Look at and I found this like forum where all these ladies had already answered the question they're like I did it and it was great and blah 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 I was like I'm doing it and I'm looking at it like an adventure and this is gonna grow me as a person I really don't <laughs> want to do this so I could totally like picture that scenario. <laughs> Wearing your boots, you're and, like contemplating and looking at your boots and like worth it. <laughs> I had the outfit on. I thought that like putting on a dance show would inspire my friend. Putting on the outfit would. Nothing worked. Oh gosh. I was like, I have to commit to pretending like I was going to go out by myself, and then I did. <laughs> Okay, so I'll admit to doing that also. <laughs> I definitely I definitely dress to make my decision. So, like, if I get dressed for something that I feel or that I haven't, like, fully committed to, if I get dressed, I'm like, okay, yeah, I did that. Like, I'm going. <laughs> oh, yeah. If my makeup's on, mm-hmm. then yeah. But if the makeup's not on and I'm, like, in PJs, it's going to be a lot harder yeah. for me to to go. I know. Who wants to waste like looking good being by themselves? (laughs) I've got makeup on then I'll go. I'm so much more likely to go. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Um, Do you have any upcoming shows in California? Or Uh, you know what? Anywhere. This is a podcast. It's anywhere. (laughs) When is this going to be out? Let me see here. Let's just in first week of November. You mean December? December. I Yes. Okay. So I've got, yeah, I've got some shows on uh, December 7th and 8th at the Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego. Nice. I know. And then I don't have much going on. I think I've got uh, 
a show on there December 22nd at the new California barbershop. But if you go to my website and uh, christinelittle.net, mm-hmm. I update shows on there. I, I get a lot of last minute shows. So Okay. Perfect. Fill out a lot. Out for. Um, and then your podcast, I'm assuming people can find it on, you know, all the usual platforms, iTunes, yeah, I, Google Play, uh, Stitcher. iHeartRadio, Google Play. Everywhere. Play. All the places. Google it. <laughs> I, yeah, a little advice. Please, please go over and listen and rate, subscribe, and, and leave a review. That would be amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. It's been such a pleasure. Yeah, I this love has talking been fantastic. To you. I love your I love your show and it, I'm so excited to to be on here. Oh, thank you. Christine, thank you so much for taking the time to be on my podcast. I'm definitely going to Google that risk assessment tool and YouTube vids on lizard people. I also really loved getting to relate in the dating and relationship space because, let's face it, loving yourself and others can be hard, but I'm glad that we're open-minded when it comes to the experience. If you'd like to know more about Christine, you can check her out on her website, christinelittle.net. And as she mentioned, she also has her podcast, A Little Advice, which is both fun and insightful with some truly amazing guests, and you can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, all the things because it really does make a difference. And last but not least, if you get a chance to see one of her skits, I highly recommend that you go. Definitely do it. I've had the privilege of seeing her perform and she is hilarious and real and everything you'd want out of a stand-up comedian. So look out for her. Thanks again for your followership. Feel free to reach out to me anytime on theprismaticlife.com and oh yeah, One more big announcement. In addition to my writing and this podcast, I'll also be taking the prismatic life to YouTube. It's just another way of creating deeper connection and getting to know each other. So if you like this podcast and want to put a face to a name or voice, I guess, you can find me there. That's the prismatic life on YouTube. All right, guys, I hope you have a lovely rest of your day. Thanks for listening. And until next time, cheers. Cheers.